have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared in her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is of that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbours were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? The Lord's hand was with him. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation, for, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him in all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising of the sun will come to us from heaven, shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Thanks, Rosie. Um, let me pray. Father, um, please, would you help us this evening to, with Zechariah, praise you because of what you've done for your people. Amen. Well, um, I wonder if you've ever waited desperately to sing a particular song. Maybe you're one of these people that counts down the days until Christmas when you can belt out your first Christmas carol of the year. Maybe you've waited for a moment where you can sing the national anthem before a big occasion. Maybe you're just desperate to sing anything with other people at the moment. Well, I was listening to an ex-Olympian the other day. She was asked uh, what was the highlight of her career, her sporting career. And she said it was maybe the first time she heard her national anthem at the World Championships. Now, the national anthems often played in Olympic and individual sports when someone wins a medal. And she said it was so emotional that moment because as the song was played and there was quiet and she was stood on the podium, it began to sink in. It was an emotional moment because it was a time to reflect on all that had gone by, all of the training, all of 
all of what she'd done to work up to that moment. She'd waited for so long to sing the national anthem. Any individual sports person is desperately waiting for the chance to stand on a podium and sing the national anthem. But here, as we come to this bit of Luke, maybe along with the angel song in Luke 2, this could be the most eagerly awaited song. Zechariah, remember, he's been mute for nine months. He's been unable to speak because he didn't believe his wife could have a child. But God, in his grace, gives Zechariah and Elizabeth this son. And Zechariah, he recognises God's grace. And he remembers what the angel said. Look down at verse 62. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he'd like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet because he can't speak, of course. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. He remembered what the angel had said, call the baby John. And God is gracious again to Zechariah and he's able to speak. And so the song that follows, the song that Zechariah sings, he's waited for nine months to open his mouth. But you see, God's people have waited hundreds of years to be able to sing of what is happening in this moment. Because we'll see they they needed this king. Because in this moment, it's becoming clear that God's king has come just as he said. Have a look at the first few verses of the song with me. As we read them, we see that, that Zechariah's song is cosmic. It's universal. It's an announcement for all people for all time. This is the song the world's been waiting for. Look at verse 68. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. God has come to his people. The, the great rescue plan is underway. But how is the saviour described in those verses? A horn. What, why? Why a horn? Well, the horn of an ox was used for protection for defeating enemies. So through the Old Testament, that image is used with a warrior, a king who saves. This is what it says in 1 Samuel 2. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. The king, the, the warrior, the one who said that's who God's people were waiting for. Well, what else are we told about this coming king? Look at verse 69. In the house of his servant David. In the Old Testament, again, years and years before, it was promised that this coming king that, that God's people were desperately waiting for would come in the line of David. This is what it says in 2 Samuel 7. When your days are over 
and you rest with your ancestors. This is God's promise to David. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish his throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Years and years before the promise of a king in the line of David, a descendant of David. And if these details aren't quite causing you to sing like Zechariah, can you just imagine the weight, the weight of God's people waiting for God's king to arrive, waiting for these promises to be fulfilled? For years and years, waiting for this rescuer. And this is the moment, the announcement on earth in the whole of history, because God's king has come just as he said. That's what Zechariah says. But do you remember how we've talked about these songs being an emotive outworking of the event? But, but Luke carefully includes them in his orderly account because they really add to the picture of what's going on. The, the words in the song give weight to the evidence. The evidence is overwhelming. It sheds light on what's happening. See, as the prophet Samuel anointed David roughly a thousand years before, the language of the king to come was so accurate. And so as these words are sung, it's so clear. God's king has come just as he said. This is what was meant to happen. This is God's promised king. This is the beginning of the fulfillment of the king that was promised. And that really matters because you can see Zechariah has such confidence. You see, Jesus hasn't even been born yet. And yet he can see God has sent. He can sing God has come. It's certain because God's plan is being unraveled unwrapped unfurled if you want to coin a christmas term the prophecies about john the baptist from the old testament they're specific of what his job is to do to point the way to jesus see in all that's been said in zechariah's song it adds weight to the evidence of who Jesus is, the king that would come. There's no doubt in Zechariah's mind. And so we can have absolute confidence too. If you trust in Jesus, you can have absolute confidence in the work of the Lord Jesus because God's king has come just as he said. Now, if you wouldn't say you trust in Jesus, can I challenge you? To look at what was written about Jesus, God's coming king years and years before he came. And look at how that's shown in the life of the Lord Jesus to match up the evidence. Because God's king has come just as he said. But for what purpose? Look at verse 68. It says it's to redeem his people. 
what does it mean to be redeemed? Well, one of my favourite films is the film Taken. Liam Neeson plays Brian Mills, ex-CIA officer and loving father of 17-year-old Kim. Brian, he's desperate to build a closer relationship with his daughter, but she just seems a bit disinterested. Kim gets to her birthday and she's desperate to follow you two around Europe on their European tour. And she lies to her dad, she manipulates her mum and she goes and does her own thing. She, she wanders off and she gets to Paris with just one friend and she's young, she's vulnerable and her decision quickly lands her in a lot of trouble. She's taken by kidnappers in Paris and there's this moment as she's under the bed in an apartment that she's staying in. She phones her dad to raise the alarm. Brian, on the other end of the phone, does some work, works out the shocking news that Kim has been snatched by Marco from Tripoya. He's a major player in an Albanian prostitution ring. At that point, the film's awful. The situation looks hopeless. A French government official, friend of Brian, tells him that statistically he's got 96 hours window and beyond that point, he'll probably never see his daughter again. But what I love about the film is the film follows the great lengths that Brian goes to to redeem his daughter. It shows his great love, his skill, his effort, all that he goes through to bring his daughter back. There's this brilliant moment at the end of the film. Brian comes back through airport security with Kim. And not only is she safe, not only is she well, but the relationship with her father is never been stronger because Kim looks at her dad and he's her hero. Now, as we come to this song, we see the scope of God's redemption of his people. And, and just like Taken, it's to be brought back from the consequence of rejection and to be brought back for a new life with a restored relationship. First, God's king has come, just as he said, to rescue you from the consequence of rejecting God. One consequence of people rejecting God is that God's people are hated. You can see that from verse 71 and 74. They need to be saved from enemies. They need to be rescued from the hand of their enemies. God's people were desperately waiting for this king to help, to rescue them. God's people under God's kings throughout Old Testament history had enemies because it's in our very nature to oppose God because we want to be in charge, not him. It's a consequence of rejecting him. Christopher Ash writes in his Advent book, what the Bible sometimes calls the world, that is men and women living in God's world without submitting to God or loving God or caring about God, has in its heart 
a deep hostility to all who belong to God and God's son, the king in David's line. You see, God's people have been so desperate for rest from their enemies. But look at the promise here in these verses. Verse 71, salvation. Verse 74, rescue. That is what this king, this king that was promised, has come to bring. And the same is true now when people publicly profess to make God their king and say he's in charge. When Christians want to live his way, according to his design, we will face hostility, whether it's obvious or subtle. But in the Lord Jesus, we have this promised king who will not be overthrown. And while we might continue to face opposition, they won't ultimately win. Jesus is the king who will reign forever. And if you trust in him, you're safe with him forever. But you see, the brilliant thing about this song is if we're in danger of thinking the problem is all out there, of pointing the finger at those people that are God's enemies, well, then this song reminds us so carefully that we are culpable of rejecting God as well. See, while we might not have battled with any Christians, we might not have campaigned for any laws that are against God's design. We might not have blatantly undermine Christians we might not say that we stand against God every single one of us has fallen short of God's standard and failed to live his way but you see God's promised king offers life to those who don't deserve it people like me and you that have not treated God as our creator as the ruler of the universe that's what John the Baptist, this baby's role is going to be, to point to Jesus as the rescuer, the one who forgives sins. Look at verse 77. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because, the tender, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. God, in his tender mercy, through the forgiveness of sins, sent Jesus to rescue people from the consequence of their own sin. This promised king offers to redeem you, to bring you back to a right relationship with God. Maybe this Christmas you're desperate for a restored relationship with friends or family. Maybe this Christmas you're desperate for real acceptance from someone that you really care about. Maybe this Christmas you're desperate for protection. Maybe you feel like you can't rest because of those things. This song tells us that the Lord Jesus 
offers you all of these things with the king of the universe. If you've not yet decided to make Jesus your king, please, would you consider it this Christmas? Because Jesus came as promised because the consequence of rejecting God is really serious. Something must be done. And the claim of the Bible is, if you want true rest, it won't be found anywhere else but in the Lord Jesus's offer, a restored relationship, true acceptance, ultimate protection. And you might think, well, that just puts a bit of a dampener on Christmas. Isn't it all about love and family, shiny lights, Christmas trees? Well, we must be clear that God's king had to come just as was promised because God must deal with those who hate him. When we recognise that and we accept that that rescue is for us as well, then we can rejoice with Zechariah. Because we have joyous rest. Because he rescues you from the consequence of rejecting God. I don't know what comes to mind. What image is in your mind as I say the word rescue? I don't know if you've seen the TV programme, Saving Lives at Sea. It follows the RNLI going about their work. They're largely volunteers and they're living in towns on the coast and they get the call up and they go and jump in their dinghy and they're ready to rescue. More often than not, they're rescuing people that have uh, misjudged the water. They're cold, scared, at risk. They zoom out there and inevitably manage to haul them into the dinghy. What, what I really enjoy about the programme is there's a mixture of kind of body-worn footage of the actual rescue so you can see what happened, but then they get the rescuer and the casualty or the, the rescue party in afterwards to kind of commentate on the events as they unfold and comment on what's happened. And it's brilliant because one of the things they often say, well, one of the things they always say is they say, Thanks so much, they are in a light. Without them, we, we would have drowned. But, but one of the things they often say is there was no greater feeling than the feeling of laying in the bottom of the boat. I often think, as I hear that, it's a bit of an odd thing to say, isn't it? There's no greater feeling than laying in the bottom of a boat. I mean, sure, it must have been a huge relief to be pulled out of the water. But was lying on the bottom of a cold boat in damp clothes really the best feeling ever? See, in this song, we get a glimpse of not just the rescue, not just the hauling out of the consequence of rejecting God, but we get a glimpse into what life is like in Jesus. What Jesus offers is not just a resting in the bottom of the boat kind of rescue, but it's life as it was meant to be with him forever. Because being redeemed, brought back, well, we're being brought back for a life in the light with him now and forever. 
So you look at verse 71, it's not just salvation from our enemies. It's so that we can remember his holy covenant, what God has promised to his people. It's not just verse 74 to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. It's to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. God's rescue through the Lord Jesus means that we can begin to appreciate life as it's meant to be. We're rescued for a life with God now and forever, and it radically transforms life. You see, when we recognise that God's king has come just as he said, and we accept his rescue from the consequence of rejecting God, then we can have a deep joy, just like Zechariah, as we appreciate what it means for us, what this new life now is. See, Zechariah in his song, he, he sings to his son and he can sing with great joy because he recognises this important connection. Look at verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Here's the, here's the connection. Those living in darkness, verse 79, live in the shadow of death. And new life in Jesus, well, it treads a different path. Those living in darkness live in the shadow of death. Christmas can be a really painful time where we're aware of that shadow of family members that aren't here anymore, the empty chair at the table, the armchair vacant. Death casts a shadow. But here's why Zechariah rejoices. Because God, in his tender mercy, sent his saviour to shine a light on those living in the darkness. That means death is not a shadow on the life of someone who trusts in Jesus. The person who trusts in Jesus has a life in the path of peace. They can be at peace with life and death. And life in his light, with him as king, is the only way we can experience peace in this world with death that hangs over us. Zechariah gets that. That's why he sings out as his very first words of his song, praise be to the Lord. Because you see, while this announcement is cosmic and it's universal in its reach, it's the most personal and intimate thing when we recognise it. God loved you enough to come to this world to redeem you. And if you've accepted Jesus as your king, then this evening you can rejoice because he's redeemed you from the consequence of rejection. He's redeemed you for new life with him, a certain hope, a perfect peace with death that has no shadow. And if you've accepted Jesus, that rescue is for you 
And this evening, if you've not yet accepted Jesus' rescue, if you wouldn't say he's your king, please will you not leave it this Christmas? Will you make it your mission to work out if this really is God's king? If he really has come just as he said he would? And if he is worth following? Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much that your king has come just as he said. Lord, thank you that that means we can have great rescue if we trust in you. Lord, please would you help us to rejoice in new life because of what you've done through the Lord Jesus. Amen.